Hey everyone, welcome to the start. Uh, I'm your host Patrick, and I just want to say thanks for listening to this episode. Um, this week we've got Andrew Norcross with us. I can tell you right now that I've been really, really looking forward to this episode. Andrew and I, we've got a little bit of history in our friendship. Um, I met Andrew when I was in college. You'll hear about that in the episode. Andrew was not in college. She's, jeez, I think like nine years older than me, but we got we got in contact via Twitter somehow. And I think it was through, we talked about it in the episode, but it was through this person. And I was like super into social media at the time. But he was Tampa-based. He had a lot of followers. He seemed like a pretty cool guy. Tons of tattoos right up my alley, even though I don't have any. And we sort of just hit it off. And we didn't hit it off in like a bestie, like sitcom kind of way. It was just one of those things where, in my opinion, at least, we we jived pretty well. Um, good conversation. We didn't talk about industry stuff, luckily, because at the time, neither one of us were in the same industry. But the other thing that was interesting to me about it was there was just, I, I had this, at least at the time, an odd level of respect for him. I don't know what it was. I don't know why. But I just saw this guy who was, you know, working in his home doing what he loved to do for hours on end. And I'm, you know, I'm a sophomore, junior, senior in college, not knowing what the fuck I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And here's this guy who, you know, I'd come over at like 11 o'clock at night and just like hang out and tweak, tweak some stuff on my computer and like try to write HTML and CSS because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And he's just like hardcore cranking code out and I'd ask the smallest stupidest question and he had no problem stopping what he was doing or getting to a stopping point and he had the most patience in the world help me figure stuff out and it was I don't know it was it was it was cool it was it was nice to have someone there who whether he did or not um, took a little bit of interest enough to have the patience to walk me through something enough to like just genuinely hang out you know as I'm saying this, I, I I think what was happening at the time is Norcross acted. I call him, his name is Andrew Norcross. We call him Norcross. You know, it was almost like he was an older brother that sort of looked out for me. He he never did anything outright that was that way, right? We didn't have this older brother, younger brother relationship. We were friends. But there was something about him that I trusted in, I respected, that I guess looking back on it now gave it that kind of feeling. Um, so for me, this episode means a lot. You know, he's, in my opinion, a very good friend of mine, someone who, you know, we live X amount of thousands, hundreds of miles away. I'm in New York, he's in Florida, but anytime I reach out, he's there, um, whether it's immediate or not, he's there. He doesn't forget about you. He checks in with you, even if you haven't talked with him for a couple of months or he'll check in with me or anybody I would imagine. Um, if he recently helped you with like a coding problem, even if it's not relevant to what he's doing even if it's a random time of night, but it was like, Hey man, did everything work out? Okay. And he's just genuinely a good dude. And he's been through some shit, good shit, bad shit. He's had some life experiences. He's, I mean, he's a man. He's a man's man. He's a programmer's programmer. He's a developer's developer. He is, you know, someone that I admire. Um, this episode is, is a bit long. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's an hour and 59 minutes. Probably one of my most favorite episodes to date. Not because we talk about anything overly exciting. He didn't almost become president of the United States of America. 
it's just when he speaks, it's knowledge, it's wisdom. He means it. If there's one thing you do today, aside from live your life, I I think it's listening to this episode in its entirety. I think you're going to learn something from it. Maybe not the same thing I learned, but I think you're going to gain some value out of it. And it's not going to be value. It's not, it's not going to be the value that you get from BuzzFeed. It's not going to be 10 ways to hack your productivity. It's not going to be um, 10 delicious foods that start with the letter R. It's going to be life lessons. You're going to learn about a guy who has worked in development for quite some time, about 10 years. Um, he had a career before that, that lasted 10 years. He's been working for basically 20 years and he doesn't stop. He's relentless. He's disciplined. He's committed. And the best part of it all is that he loves what he does. He wouldn't do anything else. And if that's not clear in this episode, I'd tell you to go check your ears. Um, but yeah, guys, I think, I really think you're going to like this episode a lot. Um, before we get to it, all I want to say is thanks for listening. Thanks for taking time out of your day. If you can, uh, tell a friend about it, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. That all helps the episode and enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This is the start. Hey, Norcross, uh, welcome for joining me on The Start. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a long time since I've seen your face, not like in a weird way, but most of the time we just talk on Twitter. Twitter, or there's the occasional IM or Hangout where you're asking me a question or something of that nature. But yeah, yeah. it's been, it's been gosh, what, what, what year did you graduate? 2011, man. And oh, I, yeah. I, I remember there was like, a few of those nights where you were like at your big freaking control control room esque desk, and then I was off to the side, um, like trying to hack on something really irrelevant. And you're like, "Oh, you forgot a semicolon. Oh, you didn't do this right." And you're over here building like some enormous actual real project, and I'm like fucking around. But it's well, been a while. Yeah, I mean, because well. Uh- I've been the person at the other side of that little desk and, and messing around and not knowing what the hell I was doing and someone pointing out, you know, what I was doing wrong, at least the most important thing that I was doing wrong that was preventing it from working. And then they would go, oh, by the way, here's this, 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 and this as well. You know, they would, they would give me the thing to, to stop breaking it. And then they would give me like a, a five point list of things to, to actually make it usable. Yeah. Well, you correct me if I'm wrong. And we talked about this a bit in the pre-show. You did not start off your adult life in programming, in web development, correct? That is correct. What were you doing before then? Uh, I was a, I worked in banking and finance for 10 years. And to, for to 10 back, years? For, yeah, for 10 years. Wow. Um, to back up a bit, I actually, I got our first computer when I was four years old. Like I'll be 35 this year, so do the math. So wait, was it like a family computer or was your parents like, were your parents like, here, you can play with this too? Um, oh yeah, it was a family computer. I was, I was the youngest of three kids. Um, I was four years old. 
you know, I, I was still working on the English language. I didn't really, you know, start knocking out, <laughs> you know, but, but I was familiar and, yeah, you know, from, you know, from a, it was an Apple IIc and we, you know, we had that. And then, you know, so I got familiar with, you know, it was the old like green and black screens. It wasn't even white and black. It was green and black. Oh, and, wow. You know, it, it was the one that if you look at the old eighties advertisements, like it actually had a handle on it. And you could carry it. Now that was just the keyboard, the computer, and the disk drive. There was no, you know, the monitor was on top of it. But yeah, you know, the, the thing was like, you know, fifteen. You know, it was actually the same cost as a Mac is now. It was like fifteen hundred bucks. Apple has not really changed their prices ever, <laughs> um, which I find funny. Uh, they just make new stuff instead. Um, yeah. Well, it's but, like the uh, the price doesn't change, but the hardware does. Right? Oh, yeah, like the actual guts. I mean, the size obviously changes too, but that's crazy that it's essentially been the same price. Granted, $1,500 back then was a crap ton of money. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, my old man's a, he's retired now, but he's a minister. My mom's a teacher. And actually, at the time, I'm not even sure she was working because, you know, she had all three of us. And, you know, that was a little bit of money that he had saved up. And he decided to, you know, to get a computer because, A, he figured it was going to be important. Um and with my my brother's eight years older than I am, okay. so he was so he was in school, and then my sister. And was, is that the oh so you and then a brother and then sisters the eldest? Uh, no, my sister. My brother's eight years. My sister's four years, and then there's me. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm the little one. That's nuts. So I mean, did you? I feel dumb asking this, but were you actually messing with the computer at ages like four, five, six? Yeah, we had a. I remember there's a program called Kids on Keys. Where it was, I was learning how to type, and there was like two or three games. You know, use the old five and a, you know, five and a quarter inch floppy disks, uh, and you know the keys would start coming down. You know, they'd start like raining down, and you had to type the keys before they would hit the bottom, and then they get faster and faster. <laughs> and there was some other, you know, you know, really basic level education games, and you know, from there, you know, I was fortunate. You know, but we lived in, you know, we moved to Florida when I was six, and where were yeah. you guys at in Florida at that time? Um, we were up in Palm Harbor, outside of Clearwater. Oh, cool. I've been in the same yep. general area of Florida ever since I moved here. Okay. So, you know, the, you know, the, all the schools that I went to, you know, I was in the suburbs. You know, they had a little more money. Uh, they were newer schools usually because everyone was moving there. So there was always a handful of computers. So there would be, you know, the original Oregon Trail. I'm trying to think of some of the other games they had. Um, just some you know, real, real basic sort of stuff. Like the computers had no hard drives. So everything was on a disk. And, you know, from there, I, I want to say it was, I was about eight years old when we got a Windows machine. It was a 386, had a 25 megabyte hard drive. Um, that's so tiny. I know. <laughs> there's, and like, our, there's like photos our, larger than that now. Oh yeah. Or actually, wait, no. The the hard drive was 100 megabytes, and that was like a big deal. The uh, the RAM was only 25 megabytes. Um, wow. or, or 24, whatever. You know, it's a. It was low. Um, yeah. And I remember upgrading. Like at one point, I remember upgrading it to DOS 5.0. Um, yeah, I had Windows 3.1, but um. That was actually my first introduction to programming because it had the it had basic okay. the, the actual you know, the language. Yeah. And it came with like two or three games. Uh Snake was one of them. And <laughs> there was Gorilla, which Gorilla was basically there was 
you know, it was like a, kind of like a little city landscape and they had a gorilla on each side and you had to put in, it was physics. You had to put in your geometry and physics. You had to put in the trajectory and the angle and you try, you know, basically the, you throw a banana and you try to hit the other gorilla to blow them up. And, but because it was written in basic, it wasn't compiled in anything. So you could actually read the source code. And so I started messing with it to see what would happen. And you're, you're not the first person we've had on the show that has done something like that. Oh yeah. I mean, everything, I mean, everything I know about programming is because I've read source code and messed with it to see what happened. Um, that's still kind of what I do. Uh, and you know, from there it was, there was a guy in my dad's church that was, he was a programmer. He was a database programmer. So he actually taught me a little bit of DBase. And how old were you when this was happening? I was nine. Okay, so still the same. Uh, yeah, I was in this agent. between eight and ten. Um, and I made like a little Jeopardy-ish kind of program with a little bit of a UI. And it was, you know, it was cool. Um, then I got a guitar. Then, you know. Was like this the, all, sorry, was like your interest in computers and like working with this, or having this this guy at your dad's church teach you this stuff, was this all self-directed? Or was were your parents sort of like, I don't want to say feeding you or like feeding the fire, but I would imagine that, you know, I can't think of what, what year this was, but it wasn't a year where computers were rampant and they've got an eight-year-old who it sounds like to some extent is stuck in front of a screen. Um, so your parents were okay with it, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was 80, it was well, 1988, 89. Um, that was the year I was born, 88. <laughs> <laughs> rub it in junior now um i mean part of it was you know like as a, you know my dad's a, a minister but my mom's a teacher and they felt that you know because this was before computers were so powerful that they would suck you in like there were no multiplayer games there was the internet didn't really exist yet um, yeah. well it didn't exist yet for anything on the consumer level like there were bulletin board services and that was about it yeah. um so my folks felt that it was educational and, you know, from there, they also figured, you know, this is when Nintendo was a big deal. And given the choice of me sitting in front of the, you know, playing Nintendo or me in the computer, they would choose the computer. Yeah, So that's fair. You know, we did that. And but then, you know, I got a guitar. I, you know, this is also when being a nerd was not in any way remotely cool. Yeah. Um, like you'd get your ass kicked. This was this was still in the getting beat up for being a nerd phase. Uh, so I did everything I possibly could to hide the fact that I was a nerd. And so that's when I started playing football. I, you know, got a guitar, I'd skate, you know, I had been skateboarding for a couple of years, but I started doing that even more. Yeah. And then from there, you know, I'm, you know, hanging out with older kids. So, you know, I'm starting to smoke pot. And, you know, Were you still, uh, messing with the computer at this time or did that sort of become like a distant memory? With, with the exception of playing SimCity, the original SimCity, I didn't touch it. Gotcha. So you lost it for a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, my folks started buying Macs after that. And, you know, we had the Performas and the Power PCs and then we got the first iMac. But really the only thing I ever did with it was we had AOL. And I started, you know, just using it as a communication tool. Like I didn't yep. program anything. I didn't even think about programming anything. Uh, I just messed around with it and talked to my friends and, and did all the did all the stuff a fourteen year old guy is going to do on the internet. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Where were your? So I'm I'm just curious. 
what did your parents do with the computers? Um, we, I mean, they were always like in an area that everybody could use them. Uh, okay. My dad would use it. Yeah, he had one at his office, and then he had one at the house. My mom would use it to like type papers or mm-hmm. to do some of the, you know, get some of the some of her stuff done for her, you know, for teaching. Um, my brother didn't touch it. My sister didn't really touch it, other than when she absolutely had to. And so, pretty much, I mean, I had a pretty pretty it's wide pretty scope when I could use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like, and your parents probably only used it as like a, a utility. Yeah, I mean, my my mom, I mean, my dad would read on it and he'd kind of keep up on stuff. And again, this is all before social networks and all that other stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, they would, you know, they would use it for like news and communication, but they wouldn't spend time on it for the sake of spending time on it. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, you, so okay, so you got a little older, you played some, how were you in football, by the way? Because I don't picture you in a helmet, no offense. Oh, I have pictures. Uh I played from the, I was, I mean, I was a swimmer for like 12 years. I started swimming competitively when I was six before oh, we wow. moved to Florida up and through my sophomore year of high school. I finally quit and I played football from the ages of 10 to 16. And the only reason I didn't keep playing was everyone gained weight and I didn't mm, okay. I was swimming as well. So like I was always in really good shape. And football season would always start right after the summer swim season would end. So I would show mm-hmm. up to practice like in complete like ripped shape when everybody else was all, <laughs> you know, fat and lazy from the summer. But, yeah. you know, it was one thing when I was giving up like 20 pounds because all, you know, it was PB leagues that had weight limits. But when I was giving up 120 pounds, uh, it didn't work anymore. So, yeah, that's fair. See, I was going to say you probably had the edge because you're in great shape, but if you're physically not the same size, like even if in great shape, you're still only 120 pounds and your friends and teammates are 180. That's a substantial difference. Yeah. I was, I was like five ten, a buck Oh five. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Florida football is no joke. I mean, I, I, I played it. I played it for like six or seven years. So I know exactly the kind of stuff you're talking about. There's yeah. some big boys out there. Yeah. I mean, when, when we were all the same size, I played pretty much every position, but, when everyone started getting a little bit bigger, I played like outside linebacker, strong safety. Yep. And, you know, cause I couldn't catch. I still for like, I cannot catch. <laughs> so, but you, you know. use your hands every day. Mm-hmm. I have, I have horrible depth perception. Uh, okay. So it was sense. more the issue of, I don't know when the ball is going to hit my hands. than it is like actually getting my hands around the ball. That's fair. <laughs> I've never heard that problem before. And I'm not laughing because I'm not laughing at you. I just think it's, I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, I played sports my entire childhood and any sport that involved connecting something with something else, yeah. like hockey, baseball, tennis, all of those, I was terrible at those as well because I could not, you know, track the, you know, I just couldn't do it. And, you know, football, you know, swimming was fine because all I had to do was swim and, yeah. and football was fine because I could play defense. Yep. No, I know exactly what you mean. They always said that the, um, the kids who can't catch play defense. Oh yeah, yeah. Defensive backs are just wide receivers who can't catch. Exactly. Although now you've got a lot of them that can. Um, well, like you know, I don't know if you still follow football, but like Richard Sherman is an ex wide receiver from Stanford who turned into like the best cornerback in the league. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I follow baseball more than football now. Yeah. Uh, but if for no other reason that you know it's easier for me to follow, I just but I like both. And yeah, I mean, he was you know he's a unique character. I mean, he went to Stanford. I mean, he's a smart guy. And, you know, his, he was like the eighth best wide receiver on his team and when he was in college and they needed cornerbacks. 
Yep. And then so, he was like, all right. I'll he's do like, it, so I, either I can convert and play or I can sit on the bench and do nothing. Yep. So he was smart. I mean, and now he's, that's what he does. I think it's crazy that there's guys that are that talented. So not only are you a great wide receiver, but you're also incredibly talented at running backwards for half the length of the field and then reacting as quickly as he does against, you know, at least in college, NFL caliber uh, wide receivers that, you know, he's not as good at in like the wide receiver position, but he's, I, I don't, I don't know how there's people that are that athletic at the, those kind of things. Oh, same reason that there's people that are, you know, that any skill, I mean, a, that, you know, they dedicate their entire life to it. It's all they do. I mean, they watch film on it. They watch, you know, they watch other players. They study, you know, they study body language of wide receivers and, you know, they study, you know, they study the movements of quarterbacks to start to figure out, oh, okay, if he turns this way, he's going to probably yeah, throw a shorter all the pass. Tendencies. But you know, there's all still, stuff. I don't know. There's still something to it though. And I, I think that's the same with anything. Like there's, so I, I can use my own experiences. When I played football, my buddy Tasharvin was by far, I mean, I grew up with this kid by far, probably one of the more athletic kids around. Um, he ended up being like six feet tall, 165 pounds wet. Like he wasn't, he was very athletic, but he wasn't super heavy. But he would, you know, play quarterback and then turn around and play safety and have like a one-handed catch, drop one foot inside the sideline, and it would be an interception. And that was like a regular day for him. And then this other kid, Bubba, his name is Kwame, but we called him Bubba. He he holds like Florida State record for most touchdowns scored in a season. Oh. And I'm like, and I'm playing football with these kids. And I'm I'm just thinking like, we go to the same school, we go to the same practice. And I'm just like, some people have it a little bit more than others. But at the same time, you are right about the dedication. Um, both Bubba and Tasharvin Tish- played at Auburn. Um, when Auburn won the last national championship, I think when Cam Newton was yeah, there. Yeah, say Cam he, Newton was quarterback. So I don't know if you remember the Auburn-Alabama game, but when they had McElroy or whatever that guy's name was, and he got uh, like body slammed, mm-hmm. that was Tasharvin who body slammed him. All right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's his claim to fame. He like got drafted, and I don't know what happened after that. He's a great guy, and I, I'm pretty sure he's still trying. But to me, it's just crazy how there's just some people who have a little, a little bit more than others. Like I've been, um, I played basketball for the better part of 20 years and I am nowhere near as talented as like people in division three basketball in college. And it's just crazy how it's just like some people just have that gift. I think it's cool. I mean, it, to me, it extends past sports. It's people who do in other things, but I, I don't know. I just think it's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, speaking of that, I mean, and you're talking about, you know, they have the chance and you know, the, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yeah. You know he played college football. Yeah, he went to uh, University of Miami. Yeah, you know whose backup he was? No. Warren Sapp. Was he? <laughs> which is was why he really? He, which is why he never played much. And that makes his claim to fame was he sacked Charlie Ward. <laughs> that it's But what's crazy, though, is he still made it. I mean, I wouldn't quite call his acting career a success. I mean, monetarily, it probably is. Um but he was like, oh, I'm going to go be this awesome. Apparently a good enough because. Well, his family's right. He was third generation wrestler. Oh, was he? Yeah, his father oh, see, and grandfather were both professional wrestlers. Okay. See, I'm just thinking like Miami football, what it was at that time. Oh, I'm trying to deal. think. Yeah, because that was when Miami was like the Miami everyone was afraid the of. The U. Right? That was the tail end of the U days. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was the So to go know. play defense there, you still got to be top in the nation. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. That's oh man, I don't know. I don't I don't know how some of those guys and girls do it. That's like hats off to them. And there's there's guys that I play basketball with over here in Brooklyn that are just incredible and you're like, how are they not playing somewhere? Um, but I guess it happens at all levels. It's it's nuts. Um so you played sports for a while. Mm-hmm. Um you were I don't want to say you're doing sports as a way to like assimilate outside of the nerd world, but you stopped. So what did you like when you stopped, when you stopped swimming and then you stopped playing football, what did you like, what were you doing? Um, well, the football thing was, was pretty, at that point it was strictly due to size. Like I just couldn't mm-hmm. compete anymore. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I was just that much, you know, lighter than everybody. I just get tossed yeah. around uh, the swimming. Like I was just burnt out. I've been doing it for so long and I was then at the age where you were either doing college Olympic prep or yeah. you were kind of wasting your time. And I was clearly not doing Olympic prep. So it was something I'd, I just always done and I enjoyed doing it, but that like it turned, you know, swimming, like swimming at the high school level was a little bit different. And by this point, like I, I wanted a car, I wanted some money. So I got a job and of course that makes sense. And that was, that was, you know, kind of the last piece of it was, you know, I couldn't do both. And since I knew that swimming was, I already knew when it was going to end, like it was going to end, you know, if I wanted to keep doing it, it was going to end when I was a senior in high school. So at that point I'm like, I'm just going to go get a job. And, you know, being, I was, you know, I'm the youngest of three and, you know, we weren't rich by any means. Uh, now, we never went without. I mean, I never felt like we were in poverty or like, you know, I never went hungry. And and frankly, I got, you know, in addition to everything I needed, I got plenty of stuff that I wanted. So, yeah, yeah but, but we also weren't taking, you know, vacations and I wasn't getting brand new cars and, you know, like that gap. And, you know, it was like they my folks would help me with stuff, but I still had to work for it. And mm-hmm. so, like, I, you know, well, that was one of the things. I wanted a car. And... You know, I wanted some money in my pocket. I wanted to be able to hang out. And, you know, by this point, you know, like I, as I said, like I'm still smoking pot. Now, I'm, you know, I'm drinking, going out on the weekend, sometimes during the week. And that was pretty much all I did. Like I just partied. Like <laughs> See, I worked. I mean, you were a regular kid because that's what, I mean, I grew up in Florida. That's what all kids in high school in Florida do. Is at much. some point you get a job, you get a car you uh, experiment or continue to take drugs and consume alcohol. And then at some point you go to college and then you might continue to do that or you don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really do the college thing that much, but uh, you know, I did that, you know, I went through high school. I mean, I was in, I had all AP classes. I did really well my sophomore year. You know, I ended up graduating pretty high in my class, but not as high as I was supposed to mm-hmm. because I got busted smoking cigarettes. Oh gosh so many times my sophomore year that I got suspended enough oh, that this was when they had the limit of days. Like if you miss more than X number of days, you failed the semester period. Yep. Unless it was like, documented. I think they still do that. Uh, when I was in middle school, I got, I failed a grade because of the same thing. Cause I got suspended so much. And you know, not long after I left, they changed it where like you couldn't exempt your exams or something, whatever the rule was. Uh, but yeah, like, okay. not only like did I have too many absences, they weren't even equal numbers in every classes. So there was no way that I could even begin. <laughs> I mean, there'd be days where I'd be going to school. I'm like, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I go get some breakfast, have some coffee. 
and then I would go to class. So, <laughs> you know, it, you know, there, and there are some days where it'd be like fourth period. I'm like, eh, I'm done. And I would just leave. So, you know, I had, you know, like the most attended classes I had was like third and fourth period. Like it, it kind of, it ramped down and then kind of tailed off after that. So, um, no, but after I did an internship in high school okay. with, uh, with Raymond James, which is, uh, for those of yep. you who don't know, is a very large financial firm. They're one of the largest not based in New York, if not the largest not based in New York. And actually, after the whole Wall Street debacle, they're probably bigger than some of the ones in New yeah. York. But, you know, it's funny. Um, I didn't know what Raymond James was until I went to Tampa because I was like, who the hell is this guy who's on the stadium where the Bucks play? And then I looked yeah. up, I was like, oh, it's finance. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it was, it was two people. Uh, it was the two guys that founded the firm. And, yeah. But uh, so I started, I did an internship when I was in high school and I ended up getting a job there. And I started there for, like I graduated high school on a Thursday and I started Monday morning. Oh, wow. So. What were you I, doing? I started in a department that did just some basic accounting. Okay. Uh, it was it was a few when I started it was a few steps above data entry. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was data entry that I had to think about a little bit. It wasn't anything crazy difficult. Yeah. So. Well, how what made you get an internship to begin with? Uh, there was a program. You know, there's there's DT. I forget the name of it. The letters. Like OJT on job training. Yeah, it was the same idea, but it was called the Executive Internship Program. That instead okay. of going to like a regular job where you would get paid, uh, mm-hmm. you would go to a like a career type job, and you would get college credit. Gotcha. Which is what I did. And for college know, that you didn't go to, I I got my, it, it took me ten years, but I got my associates. Oh, did you? Uh, Good shit. All right. Yeah, I got it. Um, Two day, uh, two no, a week before my ex wife got her law degree, so mm. which is the only reason I got it, the main reason I got it at least. But um, yeah, so I did that because a I got to leave school every day at ten thirty, and yeah. I figured that you know I didn't I, I never was really that into finance like I don't give a shit about the stock market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand it, and like I know how I really know how really well how it works. And by the time I left the firm, I was like for the last three years that I was there, I was managing money for, uh, I was managing trust accounts. So before the stock market blew up, me and, and two other people were in charge of about $2 billion in assets. Oh, but, wow. You know, I, I never, I mean, I hate to use the word passion because it, it's just something that gets thrown around, but like I didn't, it wasn't even like I'm, I wasn't passionate about it. Like I didn't give a shit about it. Yeah. Uh, and then when the market blew up in 2008, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I did everything I was supposed to do, and everything still went to hell. Yeah, and I, that just didn't sit well with me. And it wasn't some sort of like you know idealism or this isn't fair. It was a simple matter of I don't like this much unknown that I have no control over yeah. that dictates what I do. So I get you know by this point you know I'd gotten married, I had a kid. And my uh, my wife at the time, she had finished law school, and she passed. You know, she was nine months pregnant when she took the bar, mm-hmm. and 
So she ended up having to take part of it again, which is, you know, which is normal for most people. And she was full term. Like she had the bar exam Tuesday and Wednesday, and then she went into labor the following Tuesday. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It was like they, she had to sign special papers because she could have gone into labor during the test. So, well, you know, I'm surprised. I guess maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I'm surprised they weren't just like, wait till, you know, the next um, opportunity to take the exam since you're so close to having a child. Uh, they only offer it twice a year. Uh, okay, so then that makes sense why they probably were like, all right, yeah, I guess you got to take this one. Yeah, and it's expensive. Like, it's not free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so she, you know, but she, and it worked out fine because she stayed home, you know, with our son for nine months, which was good. But, you know, so she's, you know, she finished the bar, you know, she, you know, she passed it, she got a job. So at that point, it was no longer on me to, provide the benefits and we had a stable income other than mine mm-hmm. and I was just fed up like I was done I hated it I was just more every day I was getting more and more just I don't want to do this and so I gave my boss a five-month notice <laughs> that's really long <laughs> yeah but I, but I nice. wanted to, yeah I wanted them to be able to you know like find the right person instead of finding a person quickly yeah and knowing that we were, a, you know, we were a small team, like they, we had to bring somebody in and hire, you know, and, and make sure they were trained and could take over. So, you know, I wanted to give them as absolutely as much time as possible. And I was like, it yeah. basically was like, I'm leaving at the end of the year. Gotcha. Okay. So, that, that, then that timeline makes total sense. Yeah. And we had some projects that we were finishing up. So I'm like, look, I'm going to stick around until we get these things done. I'm going to be gone at the end of the year. So and, and then uh, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? So no. like I mean you had this thought you're like I don't want to be here so you're just like I'm going to make sure I get out of here. I don't know what the next thing is. So I'm just going to get out. Yeah, I was actually going to the initial plan was I was going to go back to school and finally finish my degree. Gotcha. And I was going for MIS. I still live that um management information systems. Okay, so is that like a IT kind of equivalent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I still lived in St. Pete at the time, so I was going to, you know, I was going to USF St. Pete, and what ended up happening, you know, I was like, I started to dabble a little bit, and I mean dabble in doing some web stuff. Mm-hmm. I had I had uh, installed some server software on an old computer. And I had to figure out, I had to put something on it because you can't really, a server without software, without anything running on it is useless. Yep. So I started, you know, like I made a, and oh, and I had a static IP because because I worked for Raymond James, I had a thing with the, you know, with the cable company for my internet where I actually got a static IP. So I could technically host websites. Oh, wow. So I did. Wait, wait, how does that relate to Raymond James? They had a they had a deal with the with Bright House the cable company, and gotcha. it was their teleworker program, and part of you know so we we got biz, the actual business class internet. <laughs> That's awesome. And the reason they had static IPs is because we were we needed to be able to VPN into the software at Raymond James, yep. which was like all the market software, all the trading software, yep, like all the stuff that you could really make somebody's day go poorly. <laughs> if you if you mess it up, so they yeah. they required static IPs so they could white la- whitelist your IP. Gotcha. That all makes sense. It's essentially like allowing you to work remotely if necessary. Mm-hmm. Which I did 
twice, I think. Um, <laughs> really useful. Yeah, but it was and it was cheaper than regular internet. So you know, really, was it like subsidized because of Raymond James? Mm-hmm. That's so bad. Yeah, it was like thirty bucks a month or something ridiculous like that <laughs> for business class. Yeah, it was business. Yeah, which which was better than any of the. You know, FiOS didn't exist yet, and they didn't yeah. have. Um, it was better than any of the residential packages. That's awesome. So, oh yeah, so I ended up like I built a website for my brother, who he owns a window tinting company, and okay, so I I whipped up a, you know, I found like an HTML, you know, free HTML template, and I kind of tweaked it, and I made a logo, I think, in Microsoft Paint. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, ended up whipping, you know, I just started dabbling. That was really all I did. Um, I tried to figure out how to put music on it so I could listen to music from other places, which didn't really work that well. Yeah. Just because the bandwidth still wasn't really good enough for audio streaming. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just kind of messed around. And my idea was, I'm like, I'll see. I started, started messing with WordPress a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I'll see what happens. I'll give this a shot. And by this point I'd built a couple, you know, I had helped, I tweaked a couple themes. I think I'd maybe changed a plugin. But what had, year was this? Uh, let's see, my son was born in 2007. So this would have been 2008. I think that was like my sophomore year in college. Yeah. So like that. Yeah. You know, it was about 2008. And from there, you know, I'm like, I'll do this on the side, see if I can make a few bucks while I go to school. And about six months later, I was getting ready to be divorced. And actually about nine months later. Um, but, you know, the marriage was going downhill. And I knew, I definitely knew you then. Because I think, I re- yeah, I do remember that happening because you moved out of that house, right? The one, yeah, the, the same... It was the St. Pete house. Yeah. And you had like a backpack, like a patio situation or like, it was like a side entrance or something. There's like a, a, I don't know. I think, I think we knew each other then. I don't know how. Well, actually, when were you like on Twitter and shit? Because that's how you and I sort of. um, I was on there early. I was relatively early. I want to say I got on Twitter in like 2007, maybe 2008. Okay. And how the fuck did we meet? I, you know, I was actually trying to think about that and I can't, for the life of me, I cannot remember. I think Um, I know what it was. So there was, I think, and I'm like trying to pull pieces together. So for the listeners, Andrew is at Norcross, um, like the city in Georgia, N-O-R-C-R-O-S-S. That is correct. For some reason, they haven't taken it from you, which is awesome. Um, Because it's my legal last name. Oh, touche. But... So at the time when I was in college, I was doing like PR crap and I was really into social media. Granted, I think everybody was at that time because it was so new. Um, But there was a group of people. So like, what's her face? Um, I think her name was Amber, the tall woman with the blue hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Amber. Amber and then whoever else was in that sort of circle, I think is how you and I. That, I could see that happening. Yeah, because she was actually one of the, one of the first people I did a little bit of web stuff for and Miss Destructo. That was her name. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if she still goes by that. That was what, um, that's her Twitter handle and stuff. Yeah. It, I think she's since gone to using her regular name. 
Uh, she oh, lives sweet. up in Seattle now. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing well. She's a chief marketing officer for a startup. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I lived in yeah, I was I was in St. Pete, and I mean, I loved that house. I love St. Pete. My soon-to-be ex-wife, she moved back out, you know, east of Tampa. So we have shared custody. So I ended up moving closer to Tampa. Uh, sorry, I moved into Tampa, but closer to where she was, just because of the bridges. I didn't want to deal with those. And yeah. and that's that's the house that I was definitely late nights trying to coach it. Yeah, that was the that. one that you'd come over. You know, you and Adam would come over and hang out. Yeah, and you know that's when you know that's really when everything started happening, and it was a, a combination of a, you know, I no longer had anything to fall back on. Because by that point, I had been away from finance long enough that I could have gone back, but I really got comfortable not doing that. At, <laughs> um, you know, I'd started, you know, by this point, you know, the tattoos were now going down my arms. They had always yeah. been, they'd always been covered up by like pants and a short sleeve shirt. Yep. That was no longer the case. And I wore a suit every day anyway, but it was just knowing that I could wear a short sleeve shirt if I technically yeah. wanted to. But now you couldn't. Oh yeah, that was out of the question. And now I really couldn't unless I wear gloves. So uh, there was that. It was, you know, going through all the divorce stuff, which went, you know, all things being equal went fine. But I had child support. And so I needed income. And I needed a legal entity to work for, for taxes and for, you know, for all the minutia stuff that, you yep. know, that needed to happen. So I started a company. And it was it was strictly at the time it was strictly so there was an entity that was not me as an individual. Gotcha. So it was more legality and, of it than actual. Like, oh, absolutely. Building yeah. a business. At, at that point, I still had no idea what I was getting into. I still didn't really know what I was doing, and I was it was a big part of it was the right place at the right time because that's when WordPress yeah. was starting to get big, gotcha. and I was already kind of in that community when everyone else started noticing that it existed and okay yeah that makes sense you were at the right place at the right time sort of yeah well in the right ecosystem i got to the party early enough to be there when everybody showed up um can we back up real quick yeah what was going through your head when you're like yeah college kid i guess you can come hang out at my place or college kids referring to adam and i uh there was a there's a few things one i was at the time i was working about 100 hours a week Okay. And it essentially is when I would have my son, it would just be he and I. Yep. When he wasn't there, all I did was work. And all of my friends lived and still lived in St. Pete. Mm. And I had like two friends in Tampa. You know, I don't drink anymore because mm-hmm. I drank way too much when I was younger. Yep. Uh, not that, you know, I don't, have, I don't care being around. It doesn't bother me, but I also just don't go to bars to hang out. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's sort of, if if you've made the choice to stop drinking, that's one's probably not the best place to be in too. It's sort of just weird. Yeah, like if, go I'm, there? if I'm there with my friends, it's fine because I'm somewhere with my friends. But if yeah. I'm at a bar to be at a bar, it's probably weird. Uh, you know, so it was a matter of that. And so I wasn't going out, I wasn't doing anything. And yeah. I had one or two friends kind of point out to me, you know, friends that I had for a long time that kind of pointed out to me, they're like, you're forgetting how to talk to other people. Oh, and, wow. you're for, and you're forgetting how to act socially. 
And it wasn't a matter of, oh, I'm socially awkward, I'm a programmer, blah, blah. It's like, I was forgetting how to have conversations with people. Yeah, well, because you're sitting all day in the house, and with all due respect, you're spending time with a child. Yeah, I was. it was either spending time with my dog, or What was the dog's name? Could, was that Moose? No, that was Hank. At the time, Hank. that was Hank. Uh, Hank is no longer with us, but... Uh, Do you have you a know, dog I, named Moose? Oh, yeah, I, I got Moose okay. now. I and, just want to make Toby. sure that Moose was a dog's name. Yes. Yeah. Moose, Moose came later. Uh, but at the time it was Hank and Hank was always in the cage because he was, he was an asshole to everybody other than me. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it's a weird, it was a weird thing. We have no idea why it happened, but he was fine until one day he just snapped and then he was mean to everybody except for like the immediate family. Okay. So yeah, even people that he used to know. So whatever happened, we, we still don't know. Anyway. Um, and we had young kids in the house. I had to let them, you had to, had to yeah. go so he, he had to go so yeah so it was really a matter of like i need to not be like by myself all the time like it's not healthy yeah and it was and most of my friends you know again like i'm of my like core group of friends that i've had for a long time i'm the youngest and so most of my friends at this point you know they're married or they're you know in a long-term thing they have jobs they have regular jobs you know, they work during the week and they don't do much at night during the week. Mm-hmm. And then they do stuff on the weekends. And I was like, well, I was working so much day and night were irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Like I went to sleep when I was tired. I woke up when I wasn't, I ate when I was hungry. Like it was almost primal and it was really, again, really unhealthy. I don't yeah. suggest it. So part of it was the fact that you were in school and you actually had a schedule that kind of jived with mine. And, yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. And, I did. You know, and we got along, which was cool. And you know, especially when you started taking an interest, you know, because you wanted to be. Oh yeah, you were all about the marketing and, and PR. So and, dumb. I mean, it's it's got its place, but I don't know why the fuck I was thinking that. It's the same reason why I thought finance was what I needed to do is because it's it looked good on paper. Yeah. Until I did it. <laughs> exactly. And you know, so that was that was pretty much it. And then. Yeah, you know, I, I I got married again. Yeah, you know, I've got two. You know, I have two uh, stepkids in addition to that. So yeah, you know, I got back on a normal schedule, and that's when you graduate. You know, then you graduated and went off to New York and you know, started being cool guy with a cool haircut. Oh, uh, none of those things. You know, it's I. I have a handful of developer friends. Very few that. I mean, there. I have a lot of programming developer friends, especially now. Um, there's a group of us that actually play basketball, which for me was a jackpot to talk to people about stuff that I like professionally I can talk to, but then also be able to play basketball with them. Because um, up here, I feel like there's a lot of people who either two things, they have just like unique interests or they have interests that align with what they do. So, you know, they they go to work and they program and then they go home and they program, which is all good and well, but it's really hard to talk sports or just to shoot the shit um, about something that isn't like the new framework that just came out. But um, when I had met you, you are probably the longest standing friend that I've maintained from Tampa with the exception of Mark. I don't know if you ever met Mark and I met Adam. Mark, I met Mark once. Yeah. So me, Mark, and Adam all moved up here. But in terms of programming and like, I don't know, when I think about, I think about it now when I was in college, you were probably the ideal adult. Um, and granted, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, that's funny. Well, 
the way that I look at the way that I, you know, looking back on it now and, and I, st- in terms of professionally and actually as a human being, I look up to you cause I know you've told me some pretty wild stories and you're humble about it. You know, when you fucked up, you own it. And there's, I mean, for me, that matches my ideal. Like, and you, you know, this from sports, but like when a coach asks you why you missed a tackle and he's yelling at you in your face, you don't really make him an excuse. You just be like, yeah, I missed the tackle. And that's sort of how I grew up, right? It was just like, and I don't do it all the time. I'm very bad about it now, but this idea of humility and it's a part of life and own up to your shit. And you were probably one of the few adults that I was around at the time that was actually doing that. On top of that, you're working for yourself, working your own hours, you're, you know, fuck the man kind of stuff. At least that's what it seemed like to me. But more importantly, I think you were the most resourceful person I knew. It was one of those things at the time, and I'd argue this is still probably the case, if I had to be stranded in the woods with anybody, it probably would have been with you because we wouldn't have died. Or at least we would have lasted a few nights. Because um, you'd be like, nope, here's what we need to do. Uh, you go do this. I'm going to do this. Come back now. And it's, I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting. I guess it's actually not that interesting, but more so that like throughout this, you've sort of been, I don't want to say in a mentory kind of role for me. Because, um, you know, I don't go with you. I don't go to you with like, life questions and stuff but you've definitely been a foundational part like I know and I I try not to abuse it so if I ever do you can tell me I know that if there's a question about programming that I have no damn idea about I can probably ping you and within a week you'll like help me find an answer or give me a direction to go in and you did that really really early on um I had no clue why you were hanging out with a college kid I don't think I really I thought about it like that either. Um, it was just like you know you had a, a house, and <laughs> it was just you. And there's a bunch of computers and shit around, and we just sort of hung out and geeked on computers. But no, it was really fun. And now that I think about it, it was probably I don't know. I would imagine some of your personality rubbed off on me in the good in like a good perspective. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah, I mean, as far as just the whole idea of just owning it. Yeah, I got that from my dad and to a degree, my mom as well, both. But it was a matter of you can either own it and deal with it or you can try to avoid it, get around it, make up excuses and then deal with it and own it. Like the end of the day, you still have to own it. And, you know, whether that's you doing it voluntarily or someone forcing you, you still have to own it. So just own it and get it over with. I mean, some of the, some of that mentality simply came from just time. Like I don't have time to deal with it, you know, to, to mess around and, and try to you know dance around the issue. I'm just going to deal with it and move on. And, and part of it, you know, as cliche as it sounds like, you know, when you have kids, certain stuff changes because it's like, I have way more priorities and responsibilities on, on me now. Like I, I, I can't just do whatever I want to do whenever I yeah. want to do it anymore. And, you know, which, which is fine. I mean, obviously I had kids voluntarily, so it's not, you know, it's not anything outside of that, but, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, I was, I was all into punk rock and, you know, fuck the man and, you know, do it yourself. And, and so, and there's a lot of that still in me. Yeah. I won't, I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, I'm still out there with Mohawks and, and ripped up shirts, you know, just really long sideburns. Yeah, that's really the only facial hair I can grow. And, <laughs> Fair. you know, I mean, like, I mean, here's a funny example. I'm going to see Strung Out play in a few weeks. Okay. They're playing, they're playing in the middle of May. And, 
you know, the week before I'm actually going to be in San Francisco and then Las Vegas for two separate conferences, mm-hmm. one of which I'm speaking at, one of which I'm attending. And I saw Strung Out play 15 years ago. Wow. And that time I got drunk as hell. I cracked, I saw him play with Pennywise. I cracked three ribs. Holy shit. And I still went to work the next day. Now, I really work was I worked at Sweet Tomatoes. I, I made soup. It wasn't the most difficult, you know, I could, yeah. I could pull it with a hangover and a couple broken ribs. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to go and then I'm going to come home and I'm going to wake up in the morning and make breakfast for my kids. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully so, with no broken ribs. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if I had broken ribs, I mean, something went wrong because I'm certainly not jumping in any more mosh pits. Yeah. But so it's like yeah, there's parts of my personality that stayed. And parts of them that just matured and grew up. And, you know, there's, there's nothing sadder than seeing someone who's 35 trying to party like they're 20. Yeah. Well, it's like that, uh, you know, in, in like comedy movies where it's like the, the 40-year-old dude who's still in his varsity jacket. Oh, yeah. And, you know, or, and it's just, yeah, you see it every now and then and it's just sad. It really is. And part of it is you wonder, like, did they never get to actually have their 20s? Or was it that was the best part of their life and they hate what their life has become? Yeah. And, and that was kind of my deal was like, you know, I'm fine with growing up and maturing and, and doing the adulting, even though I don't like doing it all the time, because that's the progression of things. And that doesn't mean I have to be like boring and old, but that does mean that I'm not 21 and I don't do certain things that 21 year olds can do. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Like I don't work 80 hours a week anymore. You know, I don't slam Red Bulls and work through the night every night to push out code. Yeah. I mean, I still work my ass off. Yeah, you know, I still work probably more a little more than I should. But I stop when my kids get home from school. Nice. When when did you when did you make that change? Because you know, when when we were hanging out in Tampa, this was anywhere between 2008 to 2011, you were 100 hours a week. And your son was, I, you had joint custody. Mm-hmm. Um, so you weren't, he wasn't there all the time, but you still did have your son. So at what, when did you start making these life compromises? It was, I wouldn't even call it a compromise. I mean, they were decisions, like they were conscious decisions. Fair. And part of it was, you know, when my, when my son got a little bit older and when he, you know, when he would be with me, I couldn't work until five in the morning. And then get up with him at seven. Yeah. Because kids don't sleep in. They don't believe yeah. in it. I don't understand why, but it's terrible. <laughs> uh, they, they think it's evil. And they feel that life's the more exciting they, than sleeping. They feel that the world starts at 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning and that they need to be there for it. And they feel that I should be there with them, which, I mean, the days that my, you know, my kids learned how to get themselves breakfast was amazing because I got an extra hour <laughs> of sleep. Uh, but from there, it was that, you know, then I met, you know, the woman who's my, my wife now. And you met, you met Brianna. And, yep. you know, she had, you know, two kids from previous as well that she has full custody of. So there were now two kids in the house every day and a third child there half the time. Yeah. So it, it, it was easy to not care about the time of day, literally the time of day or how much I was working or not working when I, I was not accountable to anybody other than me. Mm-hmm. But now I had, a, I had a wife, I had other children. 
that needed me to be present. And it was, it was really the matter of that I needed to be there more than just physically. And, you know, I make jokes about it, but it's like, yeah, my kids don't give a shit what time I work till at night. And, you know, they have school, which means I have to get up most, you know, most mornings I take them to school at seven fifteen, and mm-hmm. which means I have to be able to operate a truck at seven fifteen in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Not semi sleeping operating the truck, but fully. Yeah. Fully yeah I have to be my, I have to be able to transport children in a vehicle and, you know, I need to be able to, to do that sort of stuff. I need to be able to, you know, be there when they do things, you know, when there's, you know, events at school, when there's, you know, when there's a birthday party or when we're taking them someplace, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, the combination of that. And there was a period, you know, when I'm, when you and I were hanging out, when I lived in that house in Tampa, you know, I started doing, I started programming again when I was 26, mm-hmm. which for many people is really late. Well, I mean, I'm not far behind that. So I, I don't think, I think I got the first full-time job, 24, 25. I mean, I, yeah, you know, so, <clears throat> in college I was fucking around, but I wasn't taking it serious. And then I yeah, did a few, see, like a few I was, gigs in advertising. Yeah, you know, like I already had a career and that was not anything programming related. But, you know, I was 26 and I felt that I was really behind. I know the feeling. The feeling people that I, that I considered my peers. So what I was doing was essentially I would start taking on freelance work and I would take on projects that I did not know how to do. And I would figure out how to do it. See that, that sort of scares me. So I, I admittedly do the same thing, but I do it in, in a a probably more reasonable scope. I did a project for IBM that I absolutely had no idea how to do. Um, I knew there was frameworks I could use, but I had no clue how to do it. And I pulled it off, but I was literally working 16 hour days for three weeks straight. I was exhausted. Um, But the thing that scares me the most is what happens when it's, it's D day and you don't, you're not done. Like there's something I think within me that's like, I've given you my word. You've, you've exchanged money for these, this service and I haven't completed. Like, I feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. And there's really one or two things that can happen. One, you tell them ahead of time, look, this ain't going to get done in time. And frankly, if the people you're dealing with have never had a software project that was delayed, they've never worked in software. That's fair. So Very fair point. there's that. And second of all, I mean, again, this was my mindset at the time. Failure was not an option. You know, I know, I know that the, all this, you know, startup ethos is, you know, fail fast. I'm like, no, you don't fail. Yeah, I think that's stupid. That was my <laughs> my mentality. My mentality at the time was you just simply do not fail. Yeah. It's not well, you, an option. You weren't in a position like you, I mean, and I, I'm not speaking for your life, but you had a job that sounds like paid reasonably well, enough to to buy the things you needed and some things that you wanted. Um, then at the your wife at the time then got herself into a job that she was in law, which everyone knows traditionally pays pretty well. It pays shit. Um, Oh, did it really? That sucks. Unless you are working in certain areas, defense or contract law. No, she worked for the state. Oh, oh yeah. I my made cousin more than, I that made more than well. she did. But doesn't that help forgive your student loans or whatever? After 20 years. Oh, Jesus. Never mind. Um, well, 
there was additional income in the house. So you, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was for, better than the zero she was making before. Yeah, and then for so for a short period of time, I say short. I'm not sure how long. Up until you the divorce was finalized and you were on your own, you had a little bit of cushion. But then it came a point where you were supporting only you and this house and the Hank and your kid. So you you didn't have fifty million dollars in in uh, Series A funding to back you. It was no. It was whatever you made. So failure really isn't an option in that scenario. Yeah, I mean the 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 failure would have meant not eating, and yeah. you know I was I was so what I would do is now I wouldn't take on projects that were so far out of my wheelhouse that I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, but there was a whole lot of things that either a I didn't under I didn't realize what was going to mostly I didn't realize what was going to be involved until I actually got into it. Or it was I knew seventy percent of it, but mm-hmm. I knew, but the thirty percent I had no idea. And by doing all that, I mean that's how I've learned everything that I know about programming. Is because I've built something. Yeah, I again I've never taken a programming class. I've never done. I'm trying to think of the things that other people do to learn. Like none of the online course stuff existed when I started. I think Linda, uh, Linda may have existed at the yeah. time. Um, I think they did. They were they were it. So like, there was no treehouse. There was no code school, code academy, iron yard. There were none of those boot camps or any of that stuff. Yeah. There was online forums. There was Google, and there was Stack Exchange. So, how how'd you deal with like those moments of? I get it sometimes where I mean, it's honestly, so there's just times where a concept is just way over my head. And I just don't fucking get it. And it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, let me copy and paste and I'll be fine. It's something where your problem is different enough that there isn't an exact solution and you just don't grasp it. Like I get, I mean, I I go through a series of, it's like the seven doors. I'm like frustrated. I'm sad. I'm like happy. I'm, uh, I have a positive outlook. Like what, what were you doing like at three o'clock in the morning when you were like, I don't fucking know this. Well, um, if a handful of things. One, I'd make another pot of coffee. And <laughs> That's fair. I would start, and, and what I've done my entire life, even before programming, I, I slice up problems as small as they need to be sliced until I understand. And if it means that I break it up into 10 pieces, fine. 20 pieces, yeah. fine. And then I start hitting every piece. And were and you raised really, that way? What? Were you raised to do that? Is that like something your parents instilled in you? No, I mean, it was just kind of how my brain works. Fair. And what I would do is, you know, I would do it, you know, like if my parents, you know, if even with chores, like I would do that, you know, if I had to, you know, do yard work, like I would cut it up, you know, be like, okay, I need to do this piece, then this piece, then this piece. Or if I need to like, you know, clean, you know, do cleaning, you know, clean my room. It was like, all right, well this, you know, whatever it was, I just break it down into easily digestible pieces. Yeah. And you know, I do the same thing in programming. I, I take problems and I slice them up until they're small enough to where any one of them by themselves is no longer really daunting and they're not really scary. And then what I usually find out is if I break it up into 10 pieces, I know how to do seven of them without a problem. Yeah. One or, one or two of them, I've got a decent idea, and one of them, I have no clue. Yeah. But but once I've done the first seven, and they don't and necessarily isn't sequential, and frankly, it's probably better that they aren't. You know, if I get one, two, four, and five done, 
three becomes a lot easier to figure out because I know how I know how to get up to it and I know how it's supposed to end. That's fair. You have context to the problem. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, how do I make, you know, and then that's when you can start finding stuff online. Like, how do I make X do Y? You know, it, it's a much smaller thing to solve. And you know, like, you know, you mentioned earlier the whole framework of the week. Uh, I have, you know, I'm a PHP programmer more than anything else, which means there is no new framework. Yeah. I know, you know, everyone likes to shit on PHP and that's fine. Um, keep doing it. That it just keeps me employed. But <laughs> the, well, you know, there's a, do you know who Drew Wilson is? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a PHP guy too. I, he knows other languages and he writes in other languages, but first and foremost, he's PHP. And he's very much a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you, if I can push something out in PHP in two days, what takes you three weeks to ramp up on a new framework? He's like, well, sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. He's a real nice guy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's like, yeah, I use WordPress because that's, that's what got me. That's how I learned PHP. That's how I learned JavaScript. Uh, that's how I learned HTML and CSS for the most part. And I mean, the funny thing is like within WordPress, I'm using, obviously I'm using PHP, I'm using object oriented PHP. I'm mm-hmm. using, you know, vanilla JavaScript. I'm using jQuery. I'm using backbone. I'm using underscores. You know, there's some, you know, there are some frameworks in there. Now, obviously, it's not React or it's not Angular or it's not whatever yeah. the hell else is out there. I don't even know. Um, Orbit, more, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> Meteor, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's a, there's a game that, you know, it's a drinking game that I've been told people play that you basically choose a word and you add .js to the end of it. And if it exists, you drink. And Oh, God. And it probably ends up getting everybody drunk. So yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of the you know that's how I've learned everything, and that's how I learned how to write AJAX. That's how you know, which is not a language I understand, but that's how I learned how to do AJAX type yeah. you know stuff. And you know, all this stuff is because I had something to build. You know, if I don't have a reason to use it, I don't learn it. I can read it. I can understand it. I'm like, oh, okay, it looks cool. Like I'll see people give talks. Like a few weeks ago, I was at a, I was at Square's conference, which is a fantastic conference, by the way. I, I strongly suggest people go to the next one. And there was a guy, he was the second talk of the day and three slides in, he was doing it on React and three slides in, he started writing code, which uh, as a, you know, a man of my own blood, I love it. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I totally see, I understand how it works. I, it was the first time I'd ever seen it, but it made complete sense to me. I have absolutely no use for it. And now, is that out of choice? Like, could you tomorrow just be like, hey, I can... Are you in a position where you're turning down projects because you don't want to work in other things? No, I, I, I mean, we have more work than you. we can I know, handle. I know you're not doing that. Yeah, I mean, we have more work than we can handle. And, like, I want to learn Laravel. Yeah. But... It's been hard to find time to work on stuff that isn't client work. Yeah. And until, again, the same reason why I've learned everything else. If I don't have a goal, it's very hard for me to actually like go through and learn something because I have no reason for doing it. And I don't know when I've hit a goal, when I've reached a milestone, when I'm essentially when I'm done. And as things change and, and time you know changes, then I'm all I'm all for it, 
you know, I, I have nothing against, you know, the reason I don't learn a lot of those, you know, JavaScript language uh, frameworks is because they keep changing. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and they're not backwards compatible, a lot of them, which for me, because I do, you know, I, you know, I like playing around. I mean, like I write code to take a break from writing code yeah. and it's all well and good, but I do client work. It's got to, it's got to run in production. Yep. It's got to run in production without me touching it every day because I'm not an in-house developer for some company. And so I need to use stuff that works. And I need to use stuff that works without me, you know, without me constantly monitoring it. And a lot of those framework stuff is so bleeding edge. Like if it says works in Chrome, like I don't use it. Really? I can't. I, I oh, no I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I, I thought you meant that as an indicator that it's too future forward versus literally meaning it only works in Chrome. It only works in like WebKit or uh, whatever, or Firefox. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff I see that only works in WebKit. I'm like, well, that's fantastic, but what the fuck am I going to do with it? Yeah. There still, you know? unfortunately, is an audience that uses Internet Explorer because that's really what we're talking about here in terms there's of IE and Fire. I mean, a lot of that stuff doesn't even work in Firefox. Really? And uh, yeah. I can see that actually. Yeah. Like, I think Angular's is like a. Angular and Node are both like Google based projects. So I would understand why they might not be compatible Node's with Node's not. And, and Node works. I mean, Node's server side. So. Yeah, that's what fair. Sorry. With. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, Angular is Google, but it's cross-platform. I mean, it's not old versions of IE, and, and like I don't support old versions of IE. Yeah, Microsoft doesn't support old versions of IE. So, like, I don't, you know, I don't give a lot of you know credence to the people like, oh, it's got to work in IE eight. I'm like, well, then you work for a bank. Like, that's the only reason. <laughs> the only people that still support <laughs> old versions of IE are people that work in financial institutions because they yeah. run old versions on purpose. Because they have legacy software that they spent millions of dollars building, yep. and they can't change it. Yep. So, you know, beyond that, but it's still like, but it's still got to work. Like, it it can't be so bleeding edge that I'm getting bug reports on client stuff that is long since you know over and done with. You know, because you know Chrome tweaked something and now it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, earlier you earlier in our conversation you mentioned that you started programming at a really well. <clears throat> a relatively older age than some of the people you uh, thought were your peers. How did you get over that 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 thinking? Part of it was that was that hundred hours a week stuff. Like I was in my mind, I was catching up. So right. I figured like I would do a normal work day, and then another work day. You were working two days in one, essentially. It, yeah, pretty much. Like I was working anywhere from. The average was 14 hours a day, 14 to 16. There were some days that I did 20. Um, There's a few 24-hour, 28-hour, 30-hour sprints. Uh, again, I don't recommend it. It's not healthy. Um, How did you not burn out? I don't know. I've been worse. <laughs> I've been in worse situations. I guess that's um, fair. Yeah, you know, and and I and I enjoy doing it like this. Like I like programming. I like writing code. So while I was still, you know, killing myself, I was enjoying the process. You know, yeah. if I would have been doing the same amount of work in another field, I would have put a bolt. I would have bought a bullet and rent a gun because, like, I wouldn't have wanted anything to do with it. Yeah, I would have quit. Frankly, I would have quit. I don't think I would have killed myself. But I would have quit. And you know, but I but I was learning, and like I could see that I was getting better, and it was incremental. And with with program, at least my own experience and the experience of a lot of people that I know. There's a you know the the curve the front curve of learning programming is is kind of steep, 
But once you do that initial, once you get over that, you know, that initial curve, you start picking up things that seem more complex really fast. Yeah. Because you now have that, that foundation and structure to learn, you know, like I could go learn other languages now because I know what I'm doing well enough that, yeah, I'm going to have to learn the syntaxes and the quirks uh, of whatever. But you have the, the paradigms in place. Yeah. At least in scripting languages, like compiling, yeah. like if I try to pick up C, I don't know what the hell I'd do. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be able to figure it out eventually, but you know, I, I don't really know compiling languages. So, yeah, I'm, it, I'm, um, I'm at an interesting spot, and, and I asked that question because I honestly wanted to know. Like, I feel the same thing you felt about having to catch up. Part of me wishes I was in your shoes then versus my shoes now because. Not only do I feel the desire to want to catch up, I also see that there's 20-year-old kids that like sell out. Like this dude, Mark Bow, he's super fucking smart, but he was like 19 and he sold a company for a couple million dollars. And now he just like hangs out in New York. That plus a framework, something new comes out every day. So I like, and I I lo- I really, I can't say I love it. I really like programming. There's nothing else I want to do currently with the exception of like baking cookies, but that's like neither here nor there. So yeah. there's like days where I'm legitimately sort of, I have anxiety because I'm like, you know, am I hireable? I don't, you know, and me personally, I don't want to go total freelance yet because I still want to work with a team. Like that's something I really want. I haven't had, like, I haven't been able to sit around three, four, five, six, seven other programmers with people above me, people next to me, people below me working on stuff. And that's something I really want, but it's still sort of scary to look at, job applications and everyone's like, oh, Angular, React, Knockout, Babel, um, io.js, blah, blah, blah.js, what the fuck, Rails. And I'm like, you have either, you've got to be a genius or you've been doing this for a really long time to like be a junior level person who can write Rails app, like production level Rails apps. Like what the fuck is this? Well, I mean, those are job applications written by HR people. So I mean, yeah, and, and that kind of stuff you can filter out, but there's still... I think I think what makes it really scary is I know how much knowledge and information is out there, and I have less than a fraction of it in and my. So head. does everybody else? I mean, it, it is literally impossible to have all of that information in your head. Yeah, I still look stuff up. I read. I still read source code. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I'm a big, big fan of open source software, is because that is the only reason why I know how to write code. Yeah, is because of open source, and that is why I continue to contribute to open. You know, I still release plugins. I put code on GitHub all the time, and the reason I do it is not big. You know, uh, most of it I don't charge for. Frankly, I think yeah. I, you know, I've I've got a few things out there that are you know commercial products, but and even those are still GPL. So, you know, the idea that I'm ever going to know everything is wrong, and I'm and I'm fine with that because. When I was in finance, there were guys that I was working for that had been doing, you know, that had been brokers for 30, 40 years. Yeah. You know, they'd forgotten more than I knew. <laughs> and I mean, legitimately, because they just simply been doing it for so long. And, but I was, I was still able to learn from them and they were still able to learn from me. Yeah. Because when you do something, you know, the longer you do something, the longer, the less likely you are to look at things from different angles, even if you don't notice you're doing it. Yeah. Because you get used to solving problems a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, new kid walks in and, and she says, oh, by the way, 
here's this. And you're like, oh, well, that's new. I don't want to touch it. She's like, and then she'll be like, no, this has existed for three years. This is fully production ready. And this will do in four lines what you're doing right there in 75. And that is why, you know, I'm totally okay with not knowing everything because I can't, you know, I know what I can, you know, but the thing is, is that I know how to learn and I know where to find it. Yeah. I think the learning bit is where I'm still, it's, I have like this conflict. I think the learning bit is the, is the crux of it though. Like I am definitely someone who would describe themselves as wanting to be a lifelong learner. But in my opinion, and I could be wrong, right? Because I don't have as much experience as you or some of the people who listen or some of my friends. But I think once you have a particular amount of knowledge, right? That foundational knowledge of programming or or programming within your respective field or language. So for you, maybe it's PHP. Once you know enough about PHP, it's probably expands past PHP. And it's more like you've done PHP enough in a certain way that object-oriented programming it doesn't matter what languages you understand the concepts, et cetera. I feel like those things I haven't grasped onto yet. So sometimes it's difficult to pick up something new. And that's where I think the anxiety comes from is it's like, wait, I don't get this because I don't get, and I'm making this up, right? I don't get this because I don't get object oriented programming. And I'm like, that's where the problem is. And that's when it's like, well, wait a second, what the fuck I've been doing for six months? Um, so it's like this, it, it's this conscious battle. I feel bad. Sometimes I have to remind myself, like, look, you chose this. You like this stuff. Like, think about those days where shit works and you're like dancing in your bedroom because you just made something random work. Um, and that yeah, usually I mean, calms and, and me. Like, I'll put it this way. There's still, you know, things about object-oriented programming that I only know that that is how it works and that how that's how I'm supposed <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I still don't know some of the fundamental reasons why. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. But... What I found, at least again, this is my own experience, is once I started digging deeper into, for me, it was WordPress and PHP. Once I started digging beyond the surface level stuff that was there, and I really started to try to kind of bend it and make it do what I wanted it to do, is when I really felt like I was learning. Because at that point, I wasn't just outputting what WordPress gives me to output. Like I wasn't just using the functions that exist. Yeah. I was writing my own stuff. I was making it do shit that it didn't do before. Yeah. And, or at least that I had never seen it done before. I'm not going to say it never did it, but um, yeah, I was making stuff. Yeah. You know, that was to me, at least it was unique. And when I started doing that, I began to learn and get a much better grasp of from a whole, what I was doing. And if I was jumping to a new framework every month, I would never be able to deep dive like that enough to do that. You know, I yeah. would be, I, I learned enough to push out, you know, a release and then I would jump on something else. And, you know, it, by, by sticking with something long enough, I've been able to, to learn kind of the, you know, the guts of it. You know, I've, I've not, I still haven't read all of WordPress, the source code, but I've read a lot of it. And, and frankly, you know, some of it's written really well. Some of it's, there's some legacy stuff in there that's still pretty nasty. Uh, frankly, any software program, any software package that's been around for 10 years has some warts. Frankly, you know, like if, if, if you don't believe that, you're just, well, you're wrong. Uh, so, you know, beyond that, it's, you know, being able to do all that stuff and, and being able to stay in that sphere is then 
when I had the opportunity to, like when I started, you know, learning more JavaScript, I learned it to interact with stuff that I knew how to build in PHP, which meant I already knew the PHP side. I knew that I could build it. I knew that I could make it work. Yeah. Like there's some stuff that I could do in PHP that is just so much easier to do in JavaScript. Yeah. But I knew that if, but I knew that if I, I could build it in PHP, so like if worse comes to worse, I could build it and it would work. That gave me kind of the freedom to fuck around with the JavaScript, and if yep. I could figure it out, cool. If not, meh. No, that's a. I, I, I'm attempting to get to that point. The um, I've made a decision. Like, I so I've been really focusing on my JavaScript a lot lately. Um, actually, for the past year, and honestly, it I've grown leaps and bounds, but still very small comparatively to the entire world of JavaScript, which is okay. But I want to say about a month ago, I. For a while, I've always said that I don't give a fuck about the frameworks, but I've sort of kept, I always kept looking at them, not working at them or reading the documentation, but, you know, oh, Angular just pushed a new update. Okay, cool. Well, I don't know when I'm going to use it. Uh, and I think maybe about a, two or three months ago is when I finally said, you know what, who gives a fuck? And just focus on what you're doing. Who cares? It, you know, it's like the really just dig deep into what you're working on. And honestly, now, if I'm at the point and I, I think for me, this is this is a point of progress where I can be like, you know, I'm just going to write this in vanilla JavaScript versus jQuery. And it'll take me a little bit longer, but I can achieve it. And that feels 10 times better than fucking around with any other framework. And I want, I want, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, but you get to that point of mastery to some extent, at least mastery within context of what you're doing, that for me is what gives the confidence to... Um, move on to something else. I know that there's times where I'll read documentation and I understand it the first time. And I'm like, well, damn, look at that. I'm not as dumb as I thought. <laughs> I mean, hey, you, yeah, you're a college boy, right? I mean, you got me beat there. Uh, but oh, that doesn't, that just means I successfully wasted money. I'm not, I mean, I got a PR you, degree and I'm in programming, so. That means you finished what you started. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, I don't know though, because it's, I think. I mean, I mean, there, there, there's been a lot of digital ink spilt on the value of a college degree. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that I'm not going to force my children to go to college. However, they all have college, college funds set up. Yeah. So I think I think we're coming into a space where. I th I think in the 50s and 60s, people went to college for education because it wasn't readily available outside of that, and it was a little bit more of a societal thing, because um, you either like went and got a job or you were maybe in a, of a higher class that you could go get a, a higher education, whatever. Uh, that's my, I don't, you know, I don't know history that far back, so I could be wrong. For me, I think, like you said, college is more about starting and finishing, but then also more about figuring out what the fuck you like without your mom being there. Yeah, and I mean, that's that, part of it. Yeah, like I would never have went to New York if that wasn't the case. I like, if I didn't go to college, I would probably be married. I have an idea with who I would have been married with just based off of that time. And I'd still be in Kissimmee and I'd probably be fucking mowing lawns or something like all of my friends are. So college was yeah. good, but you know, I don't know. I, I look back at it. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. My junior year, I was talking to my brother and I think I've mentioned him to you, but um, he was like, dude, quit your PR degree and go get a degree in computer science. And I was like, no, nah, man, I'll learn it on the side. Kick myself in the butt all the time um, because I'm like, well, now I'm doing it. It's like <laughs> the computer science degree might've been helpful possibly i don't know i've never taken a class so i can't i can't yeah. speak to that but almost every every programmer i know doesn't have a computer science degree 
Well, and that's that's the that's the relieving part of it is that I I don't. That's the one thing that I love about our industry is that you don't need a degree to do it. I spoke with um, Carl Stanton, who I feel like has probably been tinkering with the internet just about as long as you have, but he doesn't have a college degree. He's been doing this stuff for like fifteen years, and that's totally acceptable, which is fantastic because it proves that like you don't need a piece of paper. You just sort of need to know your worth. Um, in order to you know be successful, you need to be yeah. You need to be able to do it, and it helps if you have a certain life situation that allows you some leeway. And yeah. I mean, like I'm not going to lie and say that you know I did I didn't have an advantage over some other folks um, simply due to being a white guy, a white male in the United States. I have an advantage over just about everybody. Uh, yeah. And being that I come from you know two loving, supportive parents who you know. If if it would have fallen completely out, I could have gone to my folks and been like, "All right, I need some help," and yeah. they would have helped me. I had some advantages, you know. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that you know I did it all on my own because that's not the case. But you know, yeah, that's, yes, that's I put pretty in the time. rare these days too. Yeah, I mean, I put in the time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I did part of it. You know, it was not, you know, no one could just hand me programming knowledge. I still had to actually learn how to do it, but. You know, there were there, there were bits and pieces of it that obviously I had some some advantages over some other folk. You know, I didn't have to I didn't have to take a full time job, you know, to to pay bills for my family because we didn't have enough money to eat. So, you know, but the point being is that you know the the availability availability to learn is there, and the availability to you know to reach certain levels of mat you know comfortability masterability, you know whatever whatever you want to call it, you know, is, is there's nothing stopping anybody. And what I've found, at least again, in my own experience is, you know, once, once I get to that point, like I, I have people that'll tell me, you know, like plugins that I've written, like, Oh, Hey, th- thanks for writing this. This thing is fantastic. I'm like, Oh yeah. And it would literally be something that I forgot that I'd written. And <laughs> Oh, it happens all the time. I mean, it, people, uh, a buddy of mine who runs, he's management in a large agency. Yeah. Uh, he pinged me on Skype one day. He's like, hey, you got, you got five minutes. I was like, yeah, well, well, what's up? And he found code that I had written and put in a gist, not even a repository, just a gist. But I had built a, a WordPress plugin on my own site that basically scrapes on my public gist and stores them on my site and displays them there. So apparently the code that I had written was unique enough that it was the third result. Oh, wow. That's awesome. For this particular task thing that he wanted to be. He wanted to be able to syndicate some stuff between sites. And he's like, I was looking for this and I found it and it was yours. So I figured I would just ask you because we, you know, we already knew each other. And he's like, does this actually work? I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. And I opened it up and I was like, I'm I'm kind of eyeballing it while I got him on Skype, and I was like, "Yeah, change this one line. You're probably gonna want to tweak this." And I kind of gave him a little bit of background as to why I wrote it, but I had forgotten about it. I forgot that it existed, and you know, I, I've reached the point where you know I feel I feel comfortable experimenting with other stuff because I know that I'm good at what I do. Yeah, and you know, it's not an ego thing. It's not even a pride thing. It's a it's an investment thing. You know, like yeah, I've spent a lot of time you've doing put in this. the time. Yeah, but there's still I mean, people that I'm good friends with. And like Mark Jaquith is one of the lead developers of WordPress. He's been one of the lead developers since almost the beginning. What's his name? Mark Jaquith. And he's a few years younger than you know. He's a few years younger than me, not much. 
he lives like 10 minutes away, 10, 15 minutes away from me. So we hang oh, out. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He knows way more than I know. Yeah. And he is still learning, which means that I'm not ever going to catch up to him. Yeah. Unless he randomly stops, which frankly, I don't think he's going to do because this is what he does for a living as well. And, but we've been able to collaborate on projects and, you know, again, coming back to the whole idea of open source, that there's a lot of folks that are, that have been doing this for a long time and are very good at what they do. And they don't have any problem working with people who aren't as good as them because they know what it's like to not be as good and to have mentors and to learn by doing. And I've had plenty, I've, I've worked with other people who, you know, were newer at this than I was on projects and opened it up to let them do as much as they could on their own. And then I would kind of guide them and be like, trying to look at this way, you know, maybe, you know, tweak this one bit, or if you do it in this, you know, whatever the case may be. And because that's how I learned and that's what people did for me. And you know, that that's my, frankly, that's my obligation. If I'm not doing that, like I'm basically pissing on everybody that ever helped me. Yeah. So I think with, with, sorry, with what we do, I think everyone has literally been where someone younger or earlier than is currently. You know, you were in my shoes. You know, you got frustrated. You didn't know something. I will be in your position, maybe not with the same knowledge, but in terms of experience and work work and, and priorities and responsibilities in terms of programming. And you know, it, that's what I like about it is that everyone is is experienced with where someone younger than them is at currently. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been there and the people that are above me that I've you know, that I talk to and speak with, they're in the same position. You know, they've been there, you know, now that I, I run an agency and, you know, I have a business partner, technically two, one of them was my wife. Uh, and we hired another, you know, we hired a developer and we, we have a gal up in, uh, you know, up in Canada that, that runs support for one of our products there are now people, you know, there are now people that I look to on the business end for mentoring that, you know, they're not going to tell me anything about programming that I don't, you know, they don't know nearly as much about programming yeah. as I do, but they know how to run a business a lot better than I do. Yep. And, you know, so like even the, the people that, you know, that I look to mentor, you know, for mentorship changes and evolves and, and that's totally cool. And it's, it, frankly, it's, it's nice because, you know, it, I know that I can learn. I know that I can pick this stuff up. I know that, you know, given enough time and there's sometimes where my wife will just totally let me, you know, she'll ignore me for a day <laughs> and, and let me just kind of nerd out on, on some, on some code that, that has no client need that has no real purpose. And, and she's cool with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, she, she, I mean, she knew what she was getting into when we met. So, but, and, and she knows that, you know, that stuff pays off down the road. And, you know, but we now have conversations about business planning and, you know, long-term, you know, like clients, you know, sales pipelines and, and all the stuff that I frankly don't like. Yeah. That part of me is like, this is interfering with me programming. And to a degree it is, but it's also, you know, got to put, put on my big boy pants and actually run a company. So, you know, these are the things that, you know, because I have enough, you know, the knowledge and, the, you know, at this point, the respect I feel, you know, from, from my peers, you know, the people that I was worried that I was never going to catch up to, most of them I still have not caught up to because they're still learning. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a static mark, but you know, I have the respect and vice versa. And you know, that that's all. That's all I needed. And to to think that I'm ever going to be done yeah, is probably the biggest thing. It's like I'm never going to be done with this. There is no finish line. You know, I'm sure that even the guys, the Israelis that invented PHP don't know everything there is to know about PHP. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine there's, you know, just like you said, um, there's mental context to all of that kind of stuff. A younger kid could come around to those guys who invented it and be like, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? And like, you know what? Actually, we haven't. Like, wow, that's really cool. It's it's relieving to hear you say that. I think at times I find myself thinking of programming or learning more about pro- programming as a race. And it's like, I need to learn this quickly. I need to build this quickly. I need to get this done. And this happens sometimes at work. And uh, I sort of like lift my hands off my keys and I'm like, wait, just stop. Like, it's not a race. You'll come back to the same office tomorrow. And if you're not done today, you can finish it tomorrow. Your deadline's in two weeks. You don't need to rush out the door. Just like realistically, just sort of soak yourself in it and be glad you're not shoveling shit somewhere and that you get to be a, a knowledge worker. And that sort of slows me down. It's nice. And it's we've got a we've got a nice little privilege to be able to do this kind of work that we do. I think sometimes, at least I know for me, I take it for granted. And I take it for granted out of the at least maybe what I think of success is. And I don't think success is being like this person with a shit ton of Twitter followers that gets asked at conferences. But I think I'm just trying to rush to get there. I don't know. To me, I'm almost 27. That feels old. But I know you're older than me. You've got much more of a life, much bigger big boy pants than I do. Uh, yeah, dude, I'll so. be 35 this year. I have a mortgage. Yeah, I'm not looking like, forward to that ever. Yeah, like I'm now getting to the age where I have to concern myself with the health of my parents. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's it, it's definitely refreshing to hear this. You know, yeah, it's so. um, hopefully the listeners feel the same way. Yeah, like like when I look at you know when I look at the, uh, you know like like Twitter. You, you, it's funny you mentioned Twitter followers. Every now and then I'll actually look at who's following me. Yeah, I I don't, but you know every now and then you know I do every now you know very very rarely, just because you know I don't I don't care. Yeah. Um, but like I'm like why why do you give a shit about what I say? Like it's not like I'm tweeting actual helpful. Like no. tech news, like no, it, it's, it's like shit from Tumblr. <laughs> I swear, like I swear a lot. Like I've gotten better um, about swearing online. I'm never gonna stop, but I've yeah. got like I try not to be like as vulgar, and like I will like some of the weird, darker stuff that I find. I don't post it till night. We're kind of like, <laughs> all right, dude. If you're clicking, if you're clicking Tumblr links at 10 p.m., it's yeah. your fault. Yeah, you know, that's not on me, dude. Um, and I at least try to preface the preface them with a little bit of like, dude, you click this, this is on you. Uh, yeah, buyer beware. Yeah, and frankly, there's still every now and then I find stuff from like, oh, I, I can't, I can't put this in public. That's that's not fair. There's no <laughs> words that I could type that would prepare people for what this is, and they're pretty, they're wrong. They're just bad. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I, I leave it at that. But yeah, I'm like, I mean, I know half the followers are probably spam anyway, so who gives a shit? But yeah, you know, it's still like, like if anyone ever referred, like, thinks of me as a thought leader, 
like I failed. Like I, I need to start over. I need to do something different because that, that is never anything I ever, ever, ever want to be considered, you know, because a thought leader means you don't do anything anymore. Yeah. I, I tried to explain it to my friend the other day and he didn't get it. And he was talking about somebody who all he is is an author now. And I'm like, he doesn't do anything. Like, what is he going to write about? Writing books? Like, he doesn't do shit. So how are you? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bit of a different topic, but to me, they, they're, they correlate very closely. Yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around at times just because, you know, it's not my world. So I don't totally get it. And frankly, I have friends at work that are writers and work in, and, you know, they, they do jobs that they don't tell anybody about. They do consulting gigs they don't tell anybody about to keep fresh and, or to make money between books. But, you know, again, that's, I will never, I mean, I figured this out the other day because it, it kind of came up for a talk that I had to give. And last year I wrote 2000 words of content. Mm-hmm. I wrote 200,000 lines of code. That's a, to me, the code is more telling of your experience than your um, uh, like life hacker blog post you write. You know what I mean? Obviously I know you're not writing that kind of stuff, but yeah. One of the blog posts I wrote was how to properly make a sleeveless t-shirt thought leader. <laughs> If you want to talk about like sleeveless t-shirt thought leader, okay, maybe I can take that crown. Is that is that on your on your blog? Because I want. To oh, absolutely. That. All right, you'll have to share me the link with that because I'll put it in the oh, show notes. That's hilarious. Oh yeah, it's a, you know absolutely it's there because and and there's pictures because it's important. I mean, you're Florida <laughs> boy. You know what happens to every t-shirt you ever own after 18 months. Oh yeah. So yeah, how to properly make a sleeveless t-shirt? That's important. See, my whole thing was um, the way I've always looked at it is the people worth listening to are the people who don't write books because they're too busy working. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it it changes a bit simply because now with with all the with blogging and everything else, like you can put together what is essentially a book over time. And then sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, you know, just kind of putting it all together at once. Yeah. And, you know, so it's certainly doable. But you can tell when those – there's a book – my buddy Eric's going to hate this. Um, there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way, and it's by this guy named Ryan Holiday. So, Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. I remember uh, reading him when he had a blog and he wrote for some other – some douchebag. And I'm not saying Ryan Holiday is a douchebag. I'm saying the guy that he wrote for was a douchebag. The, and, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean it. And I remember reading him like – he was like – young 20s i was like you have no idea what you're talking about exactly my buddy eric was like read this book the message of the premise of the book is good it's stoicism right i think that's how you say it um but it's stoicism at its finest right just put into modern day context and the message was great and eric was like this guy's so smart and i like did some research and i'm not knocking ryan holiday i don't know him past reading that book but when eric told me this i was like I was like, he was director of marketing at American Apparel when they filed for bankruptcy. I was like, I don't, that doesn't sound too smart to me. I was like, if he was, smart, yeah, I mean, eh. that that wasn't on him though. Um, no, that was okay. the, the CEO. Yeah, you know, that was CEO having sex with underage girls. Is that what happened? I see. I don't even know what happened. Um, yeah, there was there was some pretty nasty shit that happened with American. Oh wow, Apparel. that I didn't know that. But um, but so I, at first I was a little skeptical, and for me that book in particular. And I tell this to Eric all the time. And again, I, I've never met Ryan Holiday. He's probably a fantastic guy. But just that one book, I was like, Eric, dude, he writes horribly. I was like, this feels like a series of blog posts, like just put page after page. 
And that's exactly what it felt like to me. And I think going back to what we were talking about in terms of like time and, and actually working and stuff, it's like you, you, we've got a lot of people now who want the celebrity without putting the work in there. Um, and what ends up happening is they write more blog posts than they write lines of code. And because they're producing content and realistically they're gaming Google's algorithm or pushing content on a daily, weekly basis, they get that celebrity without doing the work. And then it all becomes sort of, you can't really delineate the two. You know what I mean? Like if someone's keynoting, if someone's keynoting at a conference, you're assuming that they're of good, good value. Yeah. I mean, and it seems like I have no desire for the celebrity. That does not appeal to me. No, I, you know, I think it'd be nice to be noticed for something, right? Like, I think the level that you have now where someone's like, oh my God, you're with a plugin. That's freaking great. Thank you. Like that, I think is, is the, the most I would ever want to get out of it. You know, down the road, I'd love to start my own company and I know I don't need to be keynoting and I don't need people to know who I am for that. Um, but I'm not interested in the celebrity part, the writing books. Like, I don't know that none of that. I like, yeah, I mean, books. like, I don't yeah, write them. I, you know, I like being respected in my field. Like, I, and I think that's most people. And, yeah. You know, that, that's the end of the thing. It's like, you know, I want to be respected. Then there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, and that's an admirable goal. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be respected in your field. You know, I don't want to be, you know, looked at as though, you know, I'm, I'm anything, anything more important than anybody else. You know, that I'm not, I'm not anything special. I'm just another dude doing what I'm doing and frankly to try to be anything else is just for me is disingenuous that's not to say that it's not other people yeah you know and and I'm I'm not the you know I'm the last person that's going to you know try to you know spit on somebody else's achievements because you know frankly maybe that's what they're after and that's totally fine not going to you know knock them for it and if it works for them rock and roll but i would not be happy doing that you know like the reason one of the main reasons why i left finance and and got out of there in particular is i didn't produce anything you know i was moving you know in my head i was moving numbers on a spreadsheet i was shifting zeros from column a to column b and nothing changed when i was done People had more money or less money, but nothing nothing was different. And I'm not the handiest person in the world. Like I own tools because I own a house. And I know that the tools that I, if I can't do the job with the tools that I own, I shouldn't be doing that job. That's kind of like where I li- draw the line of like home improvement stuff. And I kind of feel the same way, like in general, like I know what I'm good at and this is what I'm good at. And I like doing it. And if I'm not doing it anymore, I'm wasting everybody's time. And the only way for me to continue to have that feeling, to have that, you know, ability is to keep building and producing. And, you know, even, you know, if I end up doing more like business development and like running the company over and above just like writing code all day, then I'll still write code. Yeah. In a different capacity, like I'll yeah. work more on like free plugins or, you know, do more like, you know, co- you know, coaching with, you know, people that I hire. Because if I'm not writing code anymore, I no longer have a purpose. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, for me, I've realized that I like doing things that involve my hands. And I don't know, it took me a while to figure, like, played football. You use your hands a lot in that, right? I played defense. I played corner, corner and safety. But you still use your hands. Play basketball, all hands. Um, I like building shit. I don't build that. Like, I, the desk that I'm at now, I've built everything by hand on this desk. And I bake a lot and I code. And all that takes my hands and brains. But yeah, I, I like solving puzzles. Like my yeah. my whole life, I've been I've been intrigued by solving puzzles, and which is why I like writing code. I still I build Legos. Yeah, when my boys got old enough to do Legos, I was stoked because that meant I could buy them for myself again. <laughs> yeah, not that I really couldn't before, but it was now something I could do with my kids. Like we'll get sets, and like sometimes on a Sunday, like we'll each build one. Yeah. And, you know, my, my younger son, Cash, is a savant with Legos. Like, he was building uh, advanced sets when he was, like, five and a half, six years old. How old is he now? He will be eight in August. Wow. I remember when he was having tantrums at the diner. Oh, God, yeah. That was, uh, well, he was born in 2007. So, yeah, you probably saw him when he was three, four years old. That was, yeah, yeah. That was some, some, he's a cute kid. Yeah, I'm sure he still is. Oh, he's, he's got, his ears are much bigger than the rest of his head, but he's doing all right. <laughs> um, yeah, my daughter's the one that's going to cause me to have a stroke in a couple of years, but, um, cause she's cute as hell and, and, <laughs> and she knows it, which is the worst thing. Yeah. But, you know, but fortunately we're raising her well enough to know that she's going to, she's going to, I feel bad for the first boy that hurts her feelings because she will be distraught, but she will also beat the hell out of him. Yeah. Like she doesn't put up, you know, she has two older brothers. She doesn't put up with shit. And yeah. That's like, a good household though. Yeah. And, and my wife doesn't like, frankly, my wife could kick my ass. I'm totally cool with that. And, <laughs> you know, she, you know, she runs the company more than I do yeah. at this point. Um, Cause she's much better at it. And, you know, she, she doesn't need my help in terms of like being taken care of. Yeah, which I think was one of the main reasons why it works so well is that we both know that it's not like some weird codependency, like alpha male crap, um, which is nice. So yeah, I kind of fell off, you know, kind of went off to the side there. But you know, the point being is that you know people, you know, everyone like I want to learn how to code. They're like, no, you want a job, you want to make money, you want people to look at you like you're intelligent because nobody, very few people in marketing have other people looking at them like, wow, they're really smart. But this is one of the few career fields where people's intelligence actually gets commented on. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, like they want that, even if they don't consciously know that they want that, you know, they want people, they want to be recognized for, you know, they don't want to be recognized for being attractive. They want to be recognized for being intelligent, which yep. is cool. Totally, totally on board with that. You know, like I got a face for radio. So, um, <laughs> you know, like the, you know, I'm not winning any, I'm not winning any beauty pageants. So, uh, you know, it's frankly, if I didn't have a brain, I don't know what I'd do. And yeah, it, but it's one of the few careers where that actually matters. And while I'm not going to say that tech is a meritocracy because I think it's a fallacy, uh, I, it's more of that than a lot of other fields. So you know, folks can, can do this with, without having, you know, like, I can't go be a lawyer yeah. without a law degree. Yep. 
and you know racking up a hundred thousand dollars in loans and then working at the very bottom of a firm you know doing shit work for 80 hours a week hoping in a couple years i might get to start climbing the ranks so in comparison this is much more you know open in that regard so i'll take it yeah you know what what i like about our industry is that it's um you've got everyone has to earn it like you can technically copy and paste code that isn't yours a lot but there's going to come a point where you need to know it and that is what i think i like the most about it is that everyone has applied it at some point so we've all actually had to get our hands dirty which is good and it sort of creates a level of i don't want to say professionalism but nobody's a faker or at least for not not too long they're not a faker um which is i don't know it, it's it's nice to know that people are hopefully at some point putting in as much effort as i am or that i i need to put in more it's sort of like a weird checks and balance for me yeah there's always going to be someone that's doing better than me there's always going to be somebody that's coming up behind me and that's that frankly that i wouldn't have it any other way yeah. um so we're nearing the end this has been a fantastic talk um probably one of my favorites so far there's a few questions we normally ask the first is you know you've had a, a pretty varied life so far knowing everything you know now being where you are if you had to go tell that pot smoking 16 year old kid something what would you tell him and by the, that kid i mean you when you were younger i mean I always think about this question and I think about what I was like at 16. And frankly, there were people in my position now telling me things and I blew them <laughs> off because yeah. I was 16 and I have children now and my oldest is 10. So I understand giving somebody wisdom and information and them completely dismissing everything you say yeah. simply because they feel that they are different. They are smarter. They are, they're, they're unique. Um, and so it, I think if anything, I would just tell myself, don't go to jail. <laughs> that's don't fair. get arrested. Uh, yeah, that's probably about it. I mean, there may be, you know, if I want, you know, there may be a few individual days here and there. I'd be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to that party. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's it, totally fair. You know, maybe you should stay home tonight. Uh, but beyond that, like, there's nothing I could tell my 16-year-old self that my 16-year-old 16 16 self would look at and be like, Hey, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm going to completely change all of my ideas and and go that forward. So, you know, I have the information I have now because I fucked up as a teenager and in my early 20s. Yeah. And didn't die. <laughs> That's the good part, right? What would what, what um similar question if someone at a conference, email, Twitter, whatever, they're entering your field of programming. Um and they're like, hey, man, I really respect you. Like, do you have any words of wisdom? What do you think you'd tell them? Uh, someone asked me this two weekends ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, the first thing I tell them is get involved. And at, at least for me, again, being in WordPress, you know, the community is very is very open, is very helpful. It, unless you have come off as though you're trying to make money off it right away. And then it, it doesn't become as open not that people have any problem making money it's when you walk in nobody knows who you are and your your first move is to try to sell them you know it, it doesn't seem to go as well but I, I tell folks do what i did i'm like get involved and everything that you need to learn is available right now 
and the people that you, you know, the best mentors in the space, three of them are at this conference right now. And I'm not including me in those three. Yeah. And two of them are right over there at the next table. <laughs> and one of them you just finished talking to. So, you know, the community is there. So you get started. Start, you know, start, you know, jump in forums and help people. Because even if you don't know much, you know more than the guy that's walking in after you. And, you know, help that person. You know, if you figure out a, you know, you figure out a weird, you know, something that you couldn't figure out before, you know, write a short tutorial on it. I've done that before. And, you know, document, you know, document the stuff you're learning as you're learning it. You know, push stuff out there. Don't be afraid of people critiquing your code. Like, that's one thing that I know I've talked to a lot of people. They're afraid to put their code in public because they're afraid of what people will say about it. Yeah. And while I will agree, yeah, there's a handful of people that can probably be dicks. More more than anything, the people are going to help and they're going to point out, without being an asshole, you know, ways that you can get better. And that'll never happen if you never make it public. So yeah, you know, really my, my big thing is put it in public. You know, the people that are dicks, frankly, people are going to notice that. And those people that are being dicks are going to be, you know, kind of pushed off to the side. So they'll, they'll get taken care of and, you know, get involved and start helping people that are coming in after you because, you know, there's been a lot of things I've learned because someone asked me how to do something and I'm like, I don't know, but let me find out. And that's how I learned. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I don't know. I'm biased. I don't think you say that many dumb things in general. Uh, oh, they're well, at least career. I say career work coding wise. I think you're, I don't know. I, I would take most of the things you say and, and use them as advice, but that's just me. I've also, you know, we've got a little bit more history than just this podcast. Um, that's true. And that, I mean, and I've been doing it long enough now that I've, I've made a lot of the mistakes yeah. that other people you know, that people haven't made yet. So, you know, some of that is just simply a matter of, you know, you've got to make the mistakes. Yeah. You know, don't, don't think that they're, that you can just immediately avoid making all of these mistakes by listening to other people. Cause that's just not how it works. Yeah. Like you still have to mess up. You still have to break things and that's fine because we've all broken it too. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think you're right there. Um, so we've got one last question and it's the secret fun time question. All right. Um, I think you said, you mentioned that you listened to the just cap. So we asked a pretty crazy one there. I'm trying to think of one for you. And honestly, the one thing that's sort of been in my mind, this is a bit of a softball one. So hopefully we have fun with it. Let's pretend that just for a second, I mean, I've met cash. I've met your wife. I think they're all fantastic. Let's pretend that you're a single guy at your age doing what you do program. Okay. You mentioned that when your kids go to college, you're going to up and leave and go somewhere else. Where are you going to go? My wife and I have talked about this for a while. And I mean, I never want to be like one of those digital nomads or anything like that. That does not appeal to me at all. I like my bed. I like knowing where my things are. I'm not big on owning a lot of stuff, but the mm -hmm. stuff that I do own, I like. Uh, and frankly, I can't bring my desktop with four 24-inch monitors easily yeah. in a backpack. So, but one of the things my wife and I want to do is get an Airstream and cruise the country for a while. Wait, what's an Airstream? You know, those silver uh, 
RV trailers. Oh, those old yeah, school. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we want one of those. If not that, an old bus. Uh, you know what? I, like, I don't need a bigger house. You know, frankly, as soon as the kids are gone, I'm going to get a smaller one. Yeah. But I want more cars. I want older cars. And like our, we have a '65 Dodge that's almost out of the stock. It's, uh, I mean, out of the shop. It's the convertible tops getting finished, and then I'll have that as well. But you know, we, we you know we want to travel a little bit, but we'd like to you know have a place in different parts of the country. So it's like, oh, okay, like Florida summer. Yeah. Let's go to some place like San Diego, that isn't disgustingly hot, or <laughs> you know, let's you know travel around let's go see this let's go see that like i want to be able to to do experience things like one of the benefits that yeah you know, i got my you know, my wife's younger than i am by a few years so we'll still be in our mid-40s when the kids are theoretically gone and which means we'll be old enough to go do things like we'll be old enough to have the hopefully have the income to go do things yeah but also young enough to enjoy them, but not being so young where it's like, Hey, I try I backpack through Europe and I saw the inside of a bar in every country, uh, you know, and then I looked at some buildings like we'll be able to actually go do something. Yeah. No, that's so good. that that's probably, you know, but again, I mean, like if I didn't have kids and I didn't have a wife and I had no one depending on me, I probably wouldn't live in the suburbs of Tampa. <laughs> that's fair i don't know any people who make that make do that by choice most people either i mean the reason i live in the, in the burbs is because i have kids and they can ride their bikes and yep. you know they can do all that jazz you know like i'm not worried about them getting hit by a car as much or you know getting sold drugs in other languages which was happening in my old house uh what then they, they weren't trying to people weren't trying to sell my kids drugs oh no was, no yeah, yeah. was, was that the the house that I knew you at, or is this uh-huh. a different house? Yeah, the guy across the street I found out was selling drugs. Um, he seemed to be higher on the chain though, because it wasn't like street level stuff. But it was yeah, well, it's that's a long story. Yeah, but that's uh, also sort of scary too, because if he's higher up, then you don't know what could be going on. This is true, but then again, I mean, you have no idea what people do behind their own doors. So I try not to. Yeah, you know, it's true. like I only found out accidentally because someone knocked on the wrong at the time I had a black Cadillac CTS and someone either he or one of his associates did too. And someone knocked on the wrong door. Wow. So that's the only reason why we figured it out. Yeah. Um, otherwise he was perfectly fine. You know, his quiet neighbor didn't cause any problems. So, um, you know, other than that, you know, I kind of look at it like, you know, we'll go places, we'll do things, uh, you know, or we'll, you know, at the same, same gap, we can do nothing. Yeah, you know, like one of the one of the biggest things without kids is that if you don't want to do something, you don't do it. <laughs> and you know, if you want to, you know, like the biggest difference when people have kids and people that don't is, you know, you can, you know, if you want to go do something tonight, you can go do it. This is true. I have to arrange childcare. Or only one of us can go. And, you know, we can't just go do something because we feel like it. That'll be the biggest thing that happens. Like, if if that were the case now, like, I could do that. You know, I could do that right now. You know, if I didn't have, uh, you know, if I didn't have any kids. But um, when the kids are gone, like, that is the plan. Is to do basically whatever the hell we want. Yeah. No, that'll be fun, man. Um where can people find you online? 
Um, let's see. I use Twitter. That's really the only social network I belong to. I don't have a Facebook page. Uh, I deleted that in 2010 and surprisingly haven't missed it at all. And so proof that people, you can actually delete your Facebook page yes. and the world will not end. And <laughs> you don't, you don't need one. But, uh, so I'm on Twitter. It's Norcross, which is my last name in yes, city in Georgia. The, you know, andrewnorcross.com is my website, which I update infrequently. And my company, my agency, Reactive Studios, we're one of the WordPress VIP featured partners. We're one of 10 in the world. And I'm actually working on the read. The design has been finished by a, a actual competent designer, not me. <laughs> and I'm building it. So hopefully I'll get that up in the next few weeks because right now it's, in my opinion, it's ugly as hell. But beyond that, like I'm out and about. I mean, if I'm, if you're in Florida, I'm here. If you're in Tampa, I'm around. Um, I try to get out to a few WordCamps a year and a few non-WordPress-focused events a year just so I don't get too kind of in the bubble. But, you know, beyond that, like, I'm not hard to find. Like, I'm not hiding. Yeah. And what um, You said you were going to be speaking soon. Hopefully, uh, this episode will be out before you speak. But regardless, if it's not, I'm sure that there will be some kind of documentation that you actually some evidence that you spoke somewhere that they could find online but where where are you speaking soon uh the next event that i'm speaking at actually is the last one that i've scheduled for the year so far okay is loop uh, loop comp out in vegas it's What's it a called? loop oh conference. Loop. okay and there's some there's some really awesome speakers and me so uh depending on when this gets heard i would strongly look at going because there's something like there's the lead engineer from wired.com Oh wow! There's somebody from Google uh, who's I think he's a developer evangelist. There's uh, John Nolan who uh, created the Ghost platform. Okay. Oh yeah, there's, yeah, I see him. Yeah, there's a handful of other folks that you know are basically people that I look up to. We'll put it that way. Oh, Jen you know, Schiffer's like, there. Cool. Yep. Jen speaking as well. Only uh, spoken to her on Twitter, but she seems pretty funny. Yes, yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to meeting her for the first time. You know, we we chat online. She's she's smart as hell. And it's funny to boot, but, you know, she's clearly, you know, like you want to talk about someone who knows their JavaScript, she knows her JavaScript. And, you know, to the point where, like, it blows my mind that she's, uh, you know, she's that smart and people still give her shit about it because it blows my mind because she's smarter in JavaScript than I will ever be. Yeah. And probably a bunch of other things. So, yeah, there's a bunch of, bunch of really good speakers and then there's me. So... I would absolutely look at doing it because it's going to be a good time. And then there's a, a WordPress VIP uh, stuff for the developers in San Francisco, which is what I'm going to first. So I'll be San Francisco and then directly into Vegas. Cool. Well, looking at the dates, I don't know that this episode will be out by then. That's um, fair enough. But regardless, I'm still going to link in the show notes and I'll keep an eye out to see if they post any any of the content from the conference and I'll just update it there. Yeah, but uh, Andrew, I appreciate you joining me on the show. It's been this is the longest episode, but by far it's been one of my favorite, and it's been really. Um, really I'm fun sure you. I'm sure you've got some stuff that you can trim out of it. I, you know, I don't know. I don't think I will. I think I'll keep everything in. I've been really looking forward to this talk. You know, you are um, not an endless disposal, but I know that if I ping you, you'll get back to me eventually. Um, and I feel like the the listeners get an idea of that. So, I, when I say an idea that they get it they get a, an understanding as to why, to me at least, you are invaluable. 
Um, and actually, it's a lot of, the, you know, you're one of the people that I look to and I respect. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So thank you for joining me, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, man. I was more than more than pleased to be here. We have a good day, man. Thanks.